0: Hello I'm Andrew Gentile
1: and I'm Ariana
0: and you're listening to behind the flicks this show is all about me sharing as many facts as I know about filmmaking and directors and behind the scenes info about movies and whatnot (gasps) to Ariana and you'll join us for the ride viewers listeners we got a treat for you this episode our guest today is an extremely incredibly talented illustrator and a titan in the field of animation who works as a compositor for Baby Shark's Big Show, which airs on Nickelodeon and streams on Amazon Prime. You can find his work on P Kosh but That's P C O I S H dot Myportfolio.com. Please welcome the wonderful Peter Kosh. Peter, how are you, sir?
2: Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, Andrew. Yeah, everyone always pronounces
0: it Koish, but five years and you still remember the right one. Kosh. Yeah, you got it. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, I, I I remember you so much from uh, high school, and I'll get into that in just a moment. But uh, first, uh, I I, I want to ask you some questions, Peter. Of course, yeah. What do you got? So, how did your passion for animation begin? Awesome,
2: yeah. Well, I mean, it started around the time that I met you, actually. Cause, Is that uh, right? Yeah, because uh, obviously we did freestyle. I don't know if you talked much about that on the show. We can maybe we'll get, get, we'll, that we'll get to that. But um, in high school, I always loved um, design, illustration, that sort of stuff. And then I took a film class with somebody else in the call. And um, that's when I kind of realized that I could kind of fuse the two.
0: And uh, my passion for animation was kind of born there. And how did you realize you wanted to pursue it as a career?
2: Well, uh... It definitely is a little bit easier to get a job in animation than illustration, I'd argue. Uh, especially the city that I'm in, Vancouver, is really well known for the animation industry. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, wow. definitely growing. Some of the biggest studios out here, kind of right. like the little Hollywood of Canada up here.
0: Not only for uh, animation, but film as well. Growing industry. Uh, you are a compositor on Baby Shark's Big Show, correct? Mm-hmm, that's right, yeah. been doing that since about October now, loving it. Awesome. And so for those who may not be familiar with the ins and outs of animation, can you please explain what a compositor does?
1: Yes, yeah. thank you. Anne. <laughs> yeah. Asking uh, my question.
2: It, it, I, yeah, it's definitely not the most well-known um, aspect of the industry. But uh, So as a compositor, it's my job to take the animation from the animators and, and throw it into programs to um, clean it up, organize it, put all the special effects into it and kind of compose it to make sure that everything looks right uh, and give it that final polish. Um, Where a lot of people might think that the editor would do that, um, uh, in animation it's the compositor's job and then everything that I finish up and polish gets sent to the editor who just kind of stitches it all up
0: together. Oh. That's incredible. Yeah.
1: That's really cool. like the fun part. Yeah, and you're the one that kind of gets to deliver the final product. It sounds like.
2: Well, yeah. So, um, well, yeah. Once, once I give it kind of the final look treatment, I'll uh, hand it off to the editor, and then they'll hand it off to Nickelodeon or See? whoever. That's yeah. awesome.
1: How many do you usually do like a whole episode by yourself, or do you no, have, like No,
2: portions? no, no. <laughs> <laughs> when um when I started, it was just um, three of us on the team. Um, so it was three of us handling an episode at a time. Now we're about 12 people. Um, we split that up
0: uh, about two episodes at a time. So so we are going to get to your review, Ariana. But mm-hmm. first I want to address freestyle, which Peter already uh, uh, talked about a bit.
1: Yeah, what the heck are you talking about, freestyle? The only freestyle okay. I know is, like, rap battles. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, uh, freestyle was a, uh, is, excuse me, wow, uh, I'm out of it. <laughs> Uh, Freestyle is an art uh, program uh, run through uh, the Los Altos Mountain View uh, uh, High School District. Stop me when I'm wrong, Peter, by the way. You got it so far. (laughs) Okay. And it uh, it had uh, the two mandatory curriculums, uh, two mandatory classes were uh, design and English and uh you were able to choose back when i went there and when peter went there we were able to choose between and again correct me if i'm wrong peter film and web audio yeah okay now knowing me yeah it's (laughs) changed a little bit yeah uh knowing uh that i knowing me i chose film um i think that's pretty obvious um and you know you had to apply for the program and i got in which is crazy Uh, Not so much for Peter, but uh, not crazy for Peter, but uh, somebody of his talent. Um, So that's what Freestyle is. Did I get that right so far, Peter?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it was super fun. Basically, we just, um, it was an outlet to kind of uh, take half of your classes at the regular high school, and then you took uh, three classes over at Freestyle. So half your day was spent over there, kind of focusing more on digital media and arts.
1: Oh, okay. Wow. And w- remind me what uh, high school you guys went to.
0: I went, well, uh, it, was, it was run through a district, and so oh, I went okay. to Los Altos High School. Peter, you went to Mountain View, right? Yeah, I went to Mountain View High School, right. and
2: so those two schools both funneled into Freestyle Academy right. as kind of a separate school.
0: Yeah.
1: Wow, I'm just, because um, I was in the Campbell Union School District, so I think it was a separate one from you guys, and we never yeah. heard about programs like that. I mean, you, like yeah. after you, like maybe in your senior year you could apply to take college courses like uh, like away from school, um, but they were just college courses. There wasn't like a, an official program that focused like a, like an area of study that was like offered to us there. So I, I'm hearing about this I'm like, this is so cool. Like, it really what? was. It, it yeah. should be everywhere.
2: It's <laughs> such, yeah. such an exciting opportunity that uh, you definitely don't get everywhere.
1: No, especially focusing on, you know, things like media or digital arts or films. Like, there's mm-hmm. plenty of interest in that, like, especially around the Bay Area. So they should be at more schools. You,
0: you know, Peter, I got to say, and, and and this is my memory of it. Um, they made your work at Freestyle, right?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. It okay. was no easy chore sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, two films a quarter plus... Like every, like, that's like, eight, I'm terrible at math. Uh, eight films a year, uh, each school year, right? And, uh, and, you know, on top of that, other classes, you know. Yeah, that's just the, <laughs> that was just the one, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, okay, so this is something I got to get off my chest to you, Peter. Oh, boy, um, I'm ready. You ready? Okay. Oh, boy, let me have it's, it. <laughs> it's a little big. Uh, so, uh, this is, this is going to be a little serious. It's a personal story. Uh, At the end of the summer, before I went into my junior year of high school, I, I checked into the psychiatric hospital. And so I was there for about 10 days. At the same time, I was supposed to start freestyle. Uh, uh, But then I checked uh, and then thankfully I was able to, I got better. I checked out after uh, the 10 days were up and I wanted more time to transition from the hospital to high school. But I had to start as soon as possible. So I wouldn't lose my spot in the program. Uh, at freestyle, so I went right into freestyle like three days, like three days after I got out of the hospital, and I got to say I was pretty scared because my mind was still in the hospital and not on filmmaking and freestyle. But I remember that one of the members of the very first group that I was assigned to at freestyle was you, Peter. Yeah. Aww. Um. And what I remember is that you were always so kind and so polite and made me feel welcome, and I was. You know, I was I was still a little scared because uh, you know I I just gone out of the hospital, and so uh, you were a huge influence in my life, and uh, you were really kind and always so, so nice to me and polite, and uh, really kudos to you, man. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. y- you were really a posi- you, you were really always so nice to me, and uh, thank you. Thank you.
1: So, yeah, yeah.
2: I, I remember that first little film project that we did. That's together. right. Yeah, I a little a
0: scavenger hunt. Yeah, that's right. It was like a scavenger hunt project. Yeah, mm. and uh, yeah, it was it was uh, a filmmaking experience for me because uh, what I, were
1: I each of your roles in the in the creation of this film.
2: Yeah, in terms of me, it was the first time holding the film camera. <laughs> so, oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was always a little bit into photography, but um, you know they just kind of set us up with a little DSLR, put us into groups, gave us a list of. Uh, Different random items around campus. That's right. Uh, just told us to go get some rough footage of them, just to practice, I guess, different framing techniques and stuff. And,
0: yeah.
1: Wow. Okay. What about you, Andrew?
0: Huh, Um. Well, I. Uh, I acted in it a little bit. Um. I was an editor. I was still learning a lot about editing. Um. Like. I remember on that project, I was trying to be, like, an artsy filmmaker. And, like, I, I slowed everything way down. So I thought that was funny, but it wasn't. <laughs> um, and that's kind of what you have to do as a young filmmaker, is try out what doesn't work. So I remember my part didn't work. Peter's and, our, and, uh, and, his, uh, and the, the, another filmmaker in the class's uh, part was great. My part kind of dried it down a <laughs>
2: Oh, don't be too harsh on yourself.
0: We're all there to experiment and learn. Yeah. Well, what, what I'm, what I, well, also, what I was going to say was that I always remember being, you being incredibly talented. Like, whenever we had a screen in our class, your animations, your films would start, and they, I, I feel like they would absolutely stop the show. You know, in terms of quality and how consistently good your films were, you were probably the best filmmaker in that class. Oh. And to this day, the quality of, the, of your films pushed me to do better as a filmmaker. Oh, thank you, Andrew. Sure thing. <laughs> I,
2: told, I told him I don't know how I'm going to handle his flattery before we started. I'm getting flustered over
0: here.
1: <laughs> Smiling's a good place to start.
0: There we, yeah, there we th- go. There uh, we go. All right. Now that we've got that out of the way, <laughs> Ariana.
1: Oh, I still have can, a review to do.
0: Can we please get a review this episode's film
1: this episode's film is uh spider-man into the spider-verse the recent animation uh released by marvel it was um i absolutely loved it re-watching it the second time made me fall in love with it more because i remember the first time thinking like oh it's like a different take on spider-man it's cute it's funny the animation is amazing Um, But it just kind of felt like another Spider-Man story the first time I watched it, but watching it the second time around, seeing how much focus they put into the music and the visuals and just the playful storytelling with um, having so many different characters in it, it made me have more respect for it and it was just as enjoyable to watch the second time as the first time. So I really I really love the movie. I thought it ended up really well. I would give this one uh, an A. Ooh,
2: That's wonderful. awesome! <laughs> Fantastic. You'll love to hear it. Yeah.
1: Right, right. It, it deserves it. It deserves it. The music. Yeah, I mean, I think it did went, win best got it that extra or, extra grade in there.
2: It did win best animated film of the year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah.
1: It, I mean, it, if I didn't give it away, I think they better. Give
2: it away. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, just to clear up real quick. Uh, it, it, produced by Sony. Uh, Sony. this one. This one's credit goes to Sony. Association with Marvel, of course, for using the Spider-Man character, but uh. Yeah, oh, that's right. Thank you. Yeah, this you. one was a big that's win really for Sony, especially after the Emoji Movie not a
0: few years before. Yeah. <laughs> okay, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Emoji Movie kind of a box office hit? Not a critical hit, but a box office hit. I think they're planning uh, a sequel. I do not know about, I haven't heard anything about a sequel. Okay, uh, i okay. A
2: Spider-Verse sequel. Well, uh, I'm getting Yeah, I'll, I'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, okay. uh, Sony has had a very um, mixed history of animated yeah. films. Um, they started off uh, a little weird, albeit strong, with Open Season. I don't know if you all remember that one. Um, but they've yeah. done some very popular ones, like um, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatball, and uh, the more recent Hotel Transylvanias. So. Oh. And then um, just recently they did uh, Mitchell's vs. the Machines, which took a lot of inspiration from Spider-Verse. Definitely worth watch.
0: <laughs> all right. So, Peter, Mm -hmm. uh, you gave me a list of films that we could talk about, and we landed on Spider-Man and Spider-Verse. What made you choose choose this film?
2: Well, I mean, other than it winning Best Animated Picture, uh, I think it really is a standout in 3D animation. Uh, I should specify that uh, I am a 2D animator. That's what I um, studied in university, so... It's not necessarily my speciality, but this film is definitely a standout in the 3D industry for all the ambition that they took with this project.
0: Definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what was your first time seeing this film? What was, what was that like? Oh,
2: I saw it in theaters. Um, Same, yeah. Before I was, when I was still studying, before I was working in the industry, um, my manager of a little retail store that I worked for, who knew I was studying animation, really wanted to be there with me to watch my experience to watching the movie for the first time so uh he got me and my roommate who was also studying uh animation with me tickets and we all went and watched it the three of us and uh it was it was wonderful i was blown away i loved all the new little tricks and stuff and yeah wow
1: i didn't get a chance to see this movie in 3d did you see it in 3d
2: in 3d no i don't really go for that stuff as much anymore it was it was fun back in the day but i kind of like to see things uh i guess a little bit more how it was meant to be viewed first
1: yeah okay i
0: i i I did a i I looked this film up on wikipedia um and apparently uh the filmmakers wanted it to be viewed in 3d so oh did they wow i didn't know that this film this film
2: yeah
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> see, I was just, so c- I I I saw it with Ariana, so I I, I didn't see it in three D either. Either, so mm-hmm. no judgment. No judgment here.
1: <laughs> I, I so you said it was like a standout in three D animation. Like why? Mm-hmm. Why? What is it? Why is it this separate from other films?
2: Yeah. Well, um, there's a bunch of different tricks, like I've mentioned a couple times, that they uh, kind of put into it to make it feel like a different kind of three D animation. They, the main goal with the film was to really kind of make it feel like you're stepping into a comic book. Which, you know, films have tried in the past. You've got, like, 2003's Hulk, which didn't yeah. really pull it off that well. <laughs> you know, no, everybody's wanted to do it, Marvel especially. I don't think anyone really nailed it until this film. Uh, a couple of the things that they did, uh, these will definitely lead into bigger discussion topics later, but... Yeah. Um, uh, depth of field, the way that they do um, smears, uh, Kirby dots, for example, scattered throughout the film.
1: Yeah, I saw <laughs> um, that, and it it made me like wonder because I don't really understand, you know, the differences in animation styles or what it takes to like create a certain type of image. But when I was seeing it on my like, t- in 2D, and if you're focused on the character, they're clear, and then if you kind of look around them, sometimes it almost looks like there's 3D imprints of the other characters and they're all kind of fuzzy and, oh, and for i had this like flash through my mind like <laughs> that seems lazy to me oh. but it's it's actually a really special technique that they did for the 3d animation i'm guessing
2: yeah yeah so um like for example um one thing that this movie does that they innovated a whole new system just to render uh, like i mentioned is the depth of field uh as filmmaker as a filmmaker andrew i'm sure you're well aware of the term and yeah. uh Obviously, the farther something away from the camera is, uh, the blurry it'll be, depending on the uh, lens what you depth use. Is. Yeah, and the lens you use. Uh, obviously, in live action. In, in live action, of course. And so we're trying to mimic that in animation, but they didn't want this to feel like live action or to mimic other animated films. So rather than have any depth of field whatsoever, they created a, a software program that what it did was it registered when something was further away from the camera. And rather than blur those elements, it takes their color values and it separates them a little bit as if it looks like it's a misprint on CMYK comic book paper.
1: Wow! (laughs) That's blowing my mind a little bit because I seriously thought that and that's... wow!
2: (laughs) It almost looks like an artifact of an old red and blue 3D film.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. Mm -hmm. But you're right, it creates like a... um, like an ambiance to what you're seeing, you know, very, very comic booky.
0: Okay, so you will have to explain later on the terms because of animation, because not only are our listeners not probably familiar with a lot of what you're talking about, I'm not familiar with a lot of what you're talking about. Definitely, sorry, I'm just... No, 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 you're doing great, I just want to make sure, you know, I learn.
2: Definitely, definitely. Well, that's that's what I'm here for. I'm I'm just constantly surrounded by these terms. So if I ever say something, you're like, no, you doing great. Just, just stop me right there, and I'll I'll be happy to explain. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Because this is really fascinating.
1: I, mean, Absolutely. I, I don't. Absolutely. I don't like Andrew. Don't know anything about
2: it, but yeah, one. But well, that's one of the reasons I love the film because of all the different stuff that they, that I keep saying that they innovated for this film. Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
2: Like um, another fun one, um, motion blur is another term I'm sure you're familiar with. Uh, depending on the frame rate that the camera captures stuff. If something's moving really fast, it might capture an image blurry, like it's a smear. Um, In animation, we can add effects. It would probably be my job to add motion blur to something, but it's... As a compositor. Yeah, exactly, as a compositor. But it's artificial, so it's not exactly the same. Um, They decided that motion blur didn't really suit the needs of the look they were going for in this film. So what they did was, which is... Uh, Growing more popular in 3D animation is they adopted a 2D animation technique called smearing. So if you were to think about classic SpongeBob, for example, if a character's spinning around really fast, you might just see loose shapes and like a million eyes for a couple frames. Or I'm sure you've seen a couple of paused frames on cartoon where it looks like there's two of them or something. That is a 2D animator's way of recreating motion blur called a smear. So rather than having um, motion blur, like you would in live-action cinema for 3D, uh, they went ahead and they animated smears into the 3D space
0: of the Spider-Verse. And so so uh, could, could you explain that a little further, animating the smears? Like, uh... Yeah, sure. So um, contorting
2: the models, stretching them out. or uh, Oh, I
0: see. Yeah.
2: Uh, where if you were to add motion blur... Um, I might need to take a couple of steps back to make a step forward here. Sorry. Um, with it, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's totally okay. Um, when you're animating a character, for example, um, you have keyframes, what we call, which is the individual kind of positions of something's here, now it's here, now it's here. So in, in the program, a model will only exist in a space where you tell it to. Meanwhile, in life, in real life, if you're capturing something on film or on camera, something's actually moving through that real-life space. But in a computer simulation, in the animation, something is here, and then it's here, and then it's here. So because you don't have that natural in-between that you would in real life, you can't as effectively create motion blur, which is why
0: smearing is a
2: tactic used to mimic
0: it. Right. Right. Right, so what you're saying, okay, can I kind of break it down a little bit? Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Okay, so in animation, uh, so, okay, let's say hand-drawn animation, right? Sure. So um, the main, so there's uh, keyframes and then there are the in-betweens. Yes. So what you're saying is that, uh, and and what I've learned is that in hand-drawn animation is that, is that you draw the keyframes, like the main positions that each character goes from. For example, somebody walking, picking up a pencil, then walk, getting up and walking again. Am exactly. I right? So,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: And so uh, in between are, is that movement that, uh, of him. like So you start here, this is the one keyframe, then you go to here, which is him picking up the pencil, and then him walking away. So in between is that motion, and that was all how to be have to be animated.
2: Yeah, yeah. So they Draw. have yeah. That's sometimes in some in, in some uh, studios, that is a whole job on its own. It, it is, is, yeah. being an in betweener. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a great starting position if you're looking to get into the industry, and it's also very exhausting.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> an in betweener.
0: Mm-hmm. So should I just dive into my what facts I I have prepared? Yeah, yes. I'd love to hear some fun facts. In November 2014, Sony Pictures' computers were hacked by a pro-North Korean group who identified themselves as, quote, the guardians of peace, unquote. As a side note, the main motivation for the hacking was that the group wanted Sony Pictures to cancel the release of their upcoming film, The Interview, a comedy about a plot to assassinate Kim Jong-un. Due to the hacking, plans for upcoming Sony Pictures films were leaked. One of those films ended up being Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Ariana, Peter, let's learn about the creation of this installment in the Spider-Man franchise.
2: (laughs) That's wild. I had no idea. I remember the controversy over the interview, but uh, I had no idea that's what leaked the film. You said (laughs) that that was November? Was that 2018? 14. Fourteen. Wow. Yeah. Cause they. I was gonna say. Cause 28, November twenty eighteen. No. 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 no just before it came out. Yeah. So. No. No.
0: 2014, no. Fourteen. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's that's how far back it was uh, being planned. Mm-hmm. Uh, an animated film about Spider-Man, uh, made by uh, Christopher Lord. Uh, uh, yeah. F- blah, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. There you go. Okay. To explain who those guys are, after box office hits such as Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and The Lego Movie, as well as 21 Jump Street, a reboot of the 80s television show, filmmaking team Phil Lord and Christopher Miller were, and still are, hot. And, as one of their projects, they chose Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. However, the dynamic duo, different, different, uh, different, uh, you know, uh, DC-Marvel dynamic duo, dynamic duo is DC, Batman Robin, Anyway, however, <laughs> the, the dynamic filmmaking duo did not direct the film. Instead, Phil Lord co-wrote the film while Lord and Miller were producers on the project. After the writing of the script, in which multiple Spider-Mans from parallel universes joined forces, came the process of casting. One interesting piece of trivia to note on this front is that Toby McGuire, who played Spider-Man in the live-action trilogy, was considered to play the adult version of Spider-Man in this film however the idea was dropped so as to not confuse audiences thoughts on that do you think it's a missed opportunity do you think do you think uh it it makes sense i think it would have made sense i will say i'm happy
2: with the way that it turned out i think we got some great vocal talent in the movie already I can understand the thoughts behind causing some confusion. And, hey, if you felt like you missed out or were robbed because we didn't get that, I have heard some rumors that uh, Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield will be reprising their Spider-Man roles in uh, an upcoming live-action Marvel movie. Is that right? So, I have heard rumors, don't oh, hold okay. me to this, that they uh, will be reprising their it. roles as, um, as Spider-Mans in um, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. So we got some more multiverse topics there. So that would make sense to dive into those kind of Spider-Man worlds.
0: You, you heard it here first from Peter Koch. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> Deadline Hollywood. Uh, uh, variety. Uh, you can quote Peter Koch as saying that Andrew Garfield and Toby Maguire will be in Doctor Strange. Great. This is how I lose it all, Andrew. This is be- how you lose it all. <laughs> and, you can, and you can sue him for life. no. <laughs> uh, no I'm sorry okay uh, I'm sorry Ariana what were your thoughts on Toby McGuire
1: oh um, uh, you know as I was watching it I like ached for it a little bit you same. Know, because they have so many but at the same time I, I do think if you were to play one of the roles something would have been lost because they're, it, that would mean that he, he is one of those verses is just animated version right Right. That means he either dies or he grows up and you know kind of becomes half-assed Spider-Man.
0: <laughs> right.
1: You know, and I wouldn't I wouldn't want either of those to be a storyline. So I'm glad that he wasn't one of the characters. But it would have been nice for a little something to reference him.
2: That's true. Yeah. Oh, he was definitely referenced. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: that's where. Yeah. Where, I okay. Uh, there's a
2: scene right in the beginning of the movie where he says, "And I did that," and it plays through. They reanimated the scene where he's being a, pardon my language, douchebag in the movie where he's like, hitting on chicks and going through his emo face. Emo oh, face, yeah.
0: Shoot, I missed that one. <laughs> the third one, yeah. Spider-Man I yeah. saw the uh,
1: the cafe one where it shows him like getting Mary Jane out of the way with the car coming through mm-hmm. the window. Like I remember seeing that one because it's a frame for frame the same as the live action movie. Mm-hmm. But I missed the emo one from Spider-Man
0: 3. <laughs> uh, Peter, this is an important question to ask you. Uh, uh, sound, voice talent. How does that contribute to animation? Does it contribute to uh, animation?
2: A, vo- a good vocal performance can honestly make or break a film. Um, casting the right character, making sure that the voice fits the actual character themselves. It's up to the animators to make the lip sync work. But if you just got a character that doesn't look like they fit a character, then... Uh, that's a casting problem. Sure. I think that the Spider-Verse cast was great. You've got Nicholas yeah. Cage, you've got uh John Mullaney in there, some really fun, uh more popular voice actors. And uh yeah, I think that they did a, they all did an outstanding job and really helped bring the film together. And that's the best part about it. You know that those I'm personally familiar with those those two that I listed from other projects, but um their voices were not As instantly recognizable to the point where I was like, "Okay, this is Nick Cage Spider-Man, or this is John Spider-Man." They were their own characters in that sense.
0: You know, I gotta be honest with you. I did kind of notice. Oh, is oh crap, is that Nick Cage? I did notice (laughs) that a little bit, but uh, but that that added to it for me. So I but Mm -hmm, I I totally get your point. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm 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 on I'm on board with that one as well. It's nice when you don't have like somebody who's instantly recognizable. I guess in like in characters like these that. Become quite iconic um, on their own, so it's nice to have like a, a fresh voice to kind of help set that up instead of just having somebody you already know attached to it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But like I, I agree with Andrew that having Nick Cage like just you know voice one of the Spider Mans is like yes. Thanks, speaking
2: thanks speaking of voices, uh, I I'm surprised I didn't mention yet uh, Penny Parker the anime Spider Man. Uh, from the movie, voiced by the lovely Kimiko Glenn, is the voice of Baby Shark on Baby Shark's Big Show.
0: No oh kidding! Gosh. Yeah, that's crazy. It so, all ties uh, I,
2: together. I get to hear that voice all the time, and I didn't actually know once I first started working on the show. It was only once I revisited Spider Man after starting on the show that I was like, "Is, is that no way?" And I had to, <laughs> like, sure enough, that's the voice that's in my ear all
0: day. Oh my gosh! That's insane. Yeah. That's awesome.
1: I love that you recognized it, too. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, man, my mind's blown. (laughs) All right. As we previously talked about, Lord and Miller wanted the film to feel as though the audiences, quote, walked inside a comic book, unquote, as was, of course, uh, covered by Peter and Ariana. So a 10-second test animation was created. That 10-second test took two animators a year to complete yeah that doesn't surprise me did i get that did i get that wrong peter (laughs) no 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 i think that's right um i think that's
2: right it definitely took them a while i i I had four years in my mind for some reason that might have just been total production time
0: (laughs) well no no, for that 10 second test animation
2: yeah for the 10 second thing yeah
0: yeah
2: yeah yeah a whole year because um they the look was very important to them on this film so they definitely took their time refining it um I, I took a um, reading the screen class in university and um, I was lucky enough to do it uh, in the spring of 2019, right after the film came out. And our teacher, uh, what she does every year is she says, pick a film that was in theaters this past year and every lesson that we have, which was a different film topic, I will pick something from the movie that you've selected to talk about in regards to our lesson. And so Spider-Verse having just come, can't come out... We all chose that, of course, and so every week we got a little lesson on another fun fact about Spider Verse.
1: (laughs) What a good teacher!
2: (laughs) Definitely. Uh, And so, just to tie into what you were talking about about the 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 preview, um, uh, so we had we had watched that in in the class, uh, and it's it's beautiful. It has definitely really changed since that preview was created. Uh, but the you can see that the bones are there. Some of the uh, some of the shots, some of the most recognizable shots in the movies stayed the same from that preview. Leap of faith, most famous shot from the film, I think. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. straight from, from that initial kind of test run. Is that
0: right? Mm-hmm. Huh. Wow.
1: That's very cool. It makes me want to watch it. It's only two
0: seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, Peter's dropping some knowledge tonight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> awesome. So, okay, this is going to be boringly familiar to Peter, but this this might be something I this is kind of something I need to cover with uh, with our listeners. The final film ended up being animated, as we mentioned, in a painstaking process. Each drawing in the film was shown at either twelve drawings per second or twenty-four drawings per second. Just as a reference for listeners, live-action movies are conventionally photographed at twenty-four frames per second. So, Peter, can you explain further what this means, like uh, like how much labor that go- goes into that?
2: Definitely. Oh, I planned on talking this before we even started this call because it's, oh, really, it's another really interesting thing that they did with this, uh, with this film. So, obviously, uh, frames per second is, again, something that live-action film and animation share, but arguably they mean very different things uh, in the two mediums because uh, in film it's just the rate at which the camera will capture pictures – Meanwhile, in animation, it is the number of frames that you are producing to make the movie. Where film, you just capture the image, and of course, the staging, the lighting, all that important stuff goes into it. Obviously, when it comes to animation, each frame of film is something that you have to make from scratch. So uh, 24 FPS, as you mentioned, is uh, pretty standard. That's how we tend to do it in the animation world. Um, there are rare instances where you might dive into 60 FPS, 60, FPS animation is more
0: FPS frames per second,
2: FPS frames per second. Yeah. 60 FPS frames, uh, 60 FPS in animation is definitely much more popular on the video game side of things because you want the high frame rates there. But there's one little thing that some animators, if there are any listening might know, and that's that we like to cheat it a little bit. Uh, There's this technique that we have in animation called animating on twos, which really just means that um, every instead of animating 24 individual frames per second, we'll animate 12. And what we'll do is we'll show one frame twice. So really we do have 24 frames in that second, but every other frame is the same as the one before it. It's a little way to cheat, it's a little way to save time and money, and it's another little way to kind of make the animation feel a little bit more choppy, a little bit more stylized. It's what people are used to seeing um, in animation. Uh, And it's definitely a technique that they uh, invoked here. And one really fun fact about the movie that I wanted to talk about regarding frame rate uh, was that they purposely used a very low frame rate for this movie to make it feel very choppy and, I guess, emulate more of a comic book feel. Really noticeable right when you start the movie, when Miles is sitting in his chair, kind of banging on his desk, listening to music. You can kind of see, uh, for lack of better terms, his movement is a little bit choppy. It's definitely a stylistic choice, uh, but like I said, it saves a lot of time. The most interesting scene that takes advantage of this... In the movie is when spider-man and miles are swinging through the orange forest just after they have escaped doc Ock's lab with the computer a really cool trick that they implied here that they implemented here rather is that uh peter b parker the more experienced of the two is animated on 24 frames per second so his that his motion looks extremely fluid And so his motion looks really smooth. Meanwhile, Miles, who's still learning how to swing and quite bad at it, they purposely animated him on 12 frames per second. They animated him on twos and Peter B. Parker on uh, full 24 FPS, which is not something that you commonly see using uh, multiple uses of frame rates between characters in one scene. So I don't know. It makes Miles' movement look more choppy. Peter B. Parker is more fluid, and it really helps play to the nature of what's actually going on in the scene.
0: Like his inexper- like the uh, like they use the technical aspects of filmmaking and animation in order to uh, convey uh, character. Definitely, definitely. Plot, yeah. 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 It's it's not something
2: that every viewer would notice right away, but it is something that your brain kind of registers in the back of it and kind of helps emphasize what they're trying to sell with it i think
0: that's that's so cool because it's like uh, and also it's a lot of work you know that's <laughs> that's just a ton of work um okay so how, how like okay so for your show uh baby shark's big show how much time does it take to complete episode just just for frame of reference for listeners and uh, and, and some, how some long start- from start to finish, or uh, from compositing for, into things? For Okay, so let's say both. Um, and how long is the show, usually? Right,
2: so Baby Shark's Big Show has 11-minute episodes. Right. Kind of standard cartoon with commercial breaks. Sure. Um, I honestly couldn't tell you the full production, uh, okay. because we get our animatics from Nickelodeon themselves, uh, so I have no, long, no idea okay. how long they take to produce on their end. But okay. once we get it, it'll take animation maybe one to two weeks, and then it'll take us another maybe one week, two weeks to comp. We'll send it back to Nick, and then uh, they will send retakes. So if they want something changed, be it the animation, the effects. And so we'll have usually a couple more weeks to do that. So a rough estimate would say about a month per episode, but we are also working intertwined on other episodes kind of in the mix wow so i think i think we mentioned briefly earlier that this film took the better half of four years maybe a little bit over uh, aside like not even including that that one year test run so right yeah Yeah.
0: and uh and this is this weaves beautifully into my script um in order to reach their release deadline and still use the painstaking animation process, Sony Pictures were forced to employ 140 animators, the most used on one of their feature-length animated films. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's, uh, that's a lot of animators, right?
2: Definitely, yeah. I mean, I, I only work on shows. I haven't worked on a motion picture, but right. I mean, we only have uh, somewhere between maybe 25 to 35 animators max. Right. Uh, that's just for that's for a show. So having uh, over hundred, I think I think it even got up to 170 at one point. They got some part
0: timers helping. Is that up. right? Yeah. I didn't know that. Wow! School me. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Yes, I love it. That's
1: a lot of workforce.
0: Yeah. For, yeah. You know, well, yeah. divide and conquer, right?
1: Yeah, and it's worth it for the outcome. I mean, it's definitely one of a kind.
0: Oh, it paid off. Box office definitely paid off with this film. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh when all was said and done, uh the film grossed over three hundred million dollars at the box office. And uh Leonard Malton, one of the most famous critics in history, uh Peter you can probably do you know who Lar Leonard- I mean, I'm assuming you know who Larry Malton is.
2: You know, bold of you to assume, because... No.
0: Quite frankly I don't. <laughs> okay. Uh like he's like in the legal like Roger Ebert and you no? Know? Nothing? Okay. I'm sorry. I'm no. no, no. Uh, no. Uh, a film critic named Leonard Malton hailed it as the most spectacular animated film he'd ever seen. And, uh, you know, a sequel and a spin-off film uh, is in development. So, uh, yeah. And so I, that, I'm just saying that because it's it was definitely successful at the box office. Uh, by the way, uh, the film was dedicated to Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, the creators of Spider-Man, uh, who both uh, passed away. Uh, the year was released. Uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was released. Uh, inspiration and animation, right? Like uh, Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, they were huge inspirations on so many things, uh, including this film, uh, their, art, their art, their work. Um, Peter, what inspires you? Like what artists and what uh, works have inspired you in terms of your work? In terms of my
2: work, well, at least in the... At least in the animation industry, I, I mean, I'm a film lover. It's, it's really that kind of special innovation. When, when a company really pushes something and innovates something new and I go, like, wow, like that's something I've never seen before. Right. Like that's, that's one of the reasons why I love this industry is because so many people are willing to push the bounds uh, and break records and really kind of take the art one step further every time. Um, as, as far as what's been a big influence, I mean, um, I mean, Spider-Verse has been one. I mean, it's a more recent one that's come out. Um, uh, I mean, I love Pokemon. Pokemon's a pretty big one for me. Uh, I love shows like Steven Universe, movies like um, Song of the Sea. Uh, Cartoon Saloon is probably one of my favorite animation studios. They just came out with a new film pretty recently, uh, Wolfwalkers. I don't know if you've heard of that one definitely recommend watching that one um yeah just kind of seeing the limits be pushed and really uh innovating new art forms within the medium is what i love to see
1: yeah it keeps it everything exciting and relevant like you uh it doesn't matter how long you're in the industry if you're in there you know you have something to look forward to it's constantly developing right
2: Definitely. definitely. I mean, look at Pixar, for example, which is arguably one of the staple animation companies for innovation. I mean, look at, um, I I love the comparison image of Spike the dog from Toy Story 1 to uh, just that one cat from Toy Story 4, just to show how far the technology's gone.
0: (laughs) What you're saying is that uh, Spike the dog in in the first Toy Story, you know, looks like really blocky and not like a dog at all meanwhile well, that was that story. was innovation at the time that was that exactly. was incredible <laughs> well from from now from today's frame of reference meanwhile mm-hmm. uh toy story four the cat kind of looks like a cat pretty much looks like a cat you know yeah yeah definitely <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and,
2: and just give it another 20 20 years except. and uh we're going to be looking at that cat the same way we look at Spike now. Exactly. And I can't even imagine that because I think the cat looks so real. Yeah. How are they going to push it so much further to make that look like that?
1: <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, eventually it's got to get to the point where it's not really about making something look real anymore. That's Because you, I feel like you can only push that so far, Right.
2: Exactly, oh, and I think real, that's, real. that's another one of the beautiful things about the medium, where there's some companies that really strive for realism. There's other companies like Sony and like Cartoon Saloon that really kind of find their aesthetic and stick to it, because as much as I love animation that aims for realism and yeah. is incredible when it achieves it, Yeah. Um, Animation is something entirely different from the real world, can be something entirely different from the real world. So seeing it pushed in the opposite direction of what's achievable in film is stunning and thrilling. Yeah, I agree.
1: That's what brings me to animated films, to be honest with you. Is mm-hmm. It makes it so exciting and new, no matter what movie it is, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I, I've done all my facts. Uh, <laughs> Peter, I want to hear some more. Do you have any more? All right, let's see. Please. I, I made a little note here. Let's see. Oh, my. <laughs> um I, I i'm learning tonight
1: mm-hmm. i like having two gurus <laughs>
0: <laughs> we've uh we've gone over
2: smearing emotion blur depth of field is the really fun one let's see automata that's another really fun one that they did in this film um uh so one of the things that they did to make the film feel much more like a comic is uh through speech thought bubbles and automata peers uh For those who aren't familiar with the term automatopoeia is a written word that uh, means a sound. So like bark, boink, scratch. Um, You can see these pop up constantly throughout the film, like the thwip of whenever his uh, webbing comes out. My favorite one that always makes me laugh is as they're escaping Doc Ock's lab, uh, Miles throws a bagel back and it hits somebody in the head. And as it hits somebody in the head, you see in Comic Sans, bagel pop out of their head.
1: (laughs) 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 <laughs> That's <Yeah>. awesome. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. I think it also really helps with, uh, aside from the is back on the kind of text bubbles or thought bubbles, uh, really helps kind of make it feel more akin to the comics, where um, when Miles is just getting his powers, like uh, his thoughts start appearing on the screen. Not only is it like a, a hilarious to read and to get that sense, even though it's also being narrated to us, it just feels... As if like the like they intended, we're stepping into a comic.
1: Yeah, and they do it really well in the visual like medium of it because it's not distracting or mm-hmm, you know putting mm-hmm. or it doesn't seem out of place in the world. Like they because they meshed it so well
0: mm-hmm. with comic books. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. One
2: um one other technique uh regarding to make it look more like comic books that other films have tried is um kind of slide transitions. Yeah. Um. Uh, like i mentioned earlier the 2003 hulk movie really kind of pushed for that where they'd have a hard border and they'd have a second shot just slide in and it it doesn't it doesn't really do it for me i get what they're going for it does it does mimic a comic book but when you've got live action i feel like that doesn't work yeah they do it very sparingly in the spider-verse but i think it's to great effect like uh there's one scene where miles is through the sky. I believe it's during his Leap of Faith scene where uh, they have a bunch of different frames take up the screen and everyone yeah. is a little bit closer and as they pop up it's really kind of bringing out the intensity of the moment. So I think that was a very successful use of, of that technique.
0: Most definitely. Mm-hmm. It, it, uh, it builds on the intensity of the scene and uh, in, in, a way that, uh, relates to, in a way that visually relates to its source. As true to the uh, feel of the movie and the comic books. Oh, I wish I brought a little bit more notes. I think we've
2: briefly gone over everything. Everything really fun that I wanted to talk about. But one one kind of question that I wanted to ask you guys is, if you had to pick your favorite kind of
0: scene from the movie, do you know what it would be? Leap of faith, as basic yeah. as it as basic as it is, leap of faith. Uh, I don't think it's basic at all. I think it's great. <laughs> Good. I, I mean, I, I honestly just replay that scene. Just, just to get pumped up for things, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, de- definitely.
2: Definitely, the imagery. If I could talk a little bit more about leap of faith, one of the, one of the, re- I mean, the for those who might not know what we're talking about, leap of faith. When Miles finally takes the jump off the building towards the end of the movie, and we get to see the city skyline upside down, uh, the whole reason it's upside down is because in that moment miles is they wanted to make miles feel as though he is ascending yeah into becoming spider-man that makes through sense. falling mm-hmm. so by flipping it upside down you get something super artistic as well as that deeper meaning which is just great and, and like i said that was one of the that was one of the shots from the uh from the t- kind of test trailer that made it all the way through into the final movie
1: wow those guys they had it. they knew what they were doing absolutely <laughs> I mean, they obviously had like a. This is how we want it to feel. By the end, it's like they they know it's gonna hook someone, which the mm-hmm. most meaningful part of it is when he overcomes himself, right? So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it makes sense that they put a lot of effort into focusing on that and why like, it lasted the whole time.
2: Mm-hmm, definitely the cinematic climax of the movie. Yeah,
1: really, really, really good. <laughs> uh, I'd have to. If this is gonna sound super weird, but I remember watching it and thinking, uh, the. The way that they connected the characters, um, I just, like, instantly fell in love with it, uh, mm. was when Miles sneaks out of his, uh, of the house and goes to see his uncle, and he's texting his uncle saying, I see you, and he <laughs> looks down at it, and it's him sitting down, and he looks over, and all of a sudden Miles is in the window, like, messing with him.
2: Definitely <laughs> such a cute, heartfelt moment,
1: yeah. Yeah, really, really fun, and then the whole conversation afterwards was very, like, uh, uh sweet, and I... It just, it really um, made you understand the context of their relationships was something that felt very genuine and simple. Mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. I love moments like that in movies.
2: Mm-hmm. Also really important to kind of build up and show that character connection, especially given what it leads to and the kind of emotional payoff there. Yeah.
1: Can I just say that the dad speech outside Miles' door... Mm. Oh. It's so well acted the way that he like chokes up over the lines i don't know who that actor is but he did a fantastic Mm -hmm. voiceover Absolutely. that really is just his voice they don't show him saying the speech
0: okay the writing that's what i was going to say the writing um so i I know only phil lord uh co-wrote the film um between christopher lord christopher miller and phil lord between that those two guys um but but in all uh, in the films that i've seen of theirs which is 21 jump street 22 jump street and this the writing across the board is fantastic um Mm -hmm. you know 21 and 22 jump street they're they're way better than they have any right to be Um, (laughs) like those are great comedies meanwhile and and spider-man and the spider-verse you know and it has both kind of have like writing that kind of conveys the point of the film. Mm -hmm. Like it has like these emotional arcs to the characters. And uh, you know, in in, uh, 21, 22 Jump Street, you think about the jokes, but there's also arcs in uh, in the terms of the characters. In the Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse, you know, uh, you think about the fantastic animation, but there's also emotional arcs to the characters. And that's, re- there's, that's really good quality in terms of uh, filmmaking. All right, any more closing thoughts?
2: Uh, I mean, if you haven't seen the film, go check it out. Definitely worth the, the what is it, hour, Like not even two hours? Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, So every yeah,
2: second. Worth the investment of your time,
0: so go check it out if you haven't. And,
2: yeah.
0: Ariana, closing thoughts?
1: Mm, I second that one. It is worth every <laughs> second, and worth a second watch. You know, it's not, It's definitely a film you can watch repeatedly and still get joy out of. So it's, it's that time of year. Summertime, I'm to watch Spider-Man.
0: <laughs> awesome. All right, Peter, what do you have to promote? Oh, boy.
2: Um, well, I, I, I've got a personal website if you want to check out, I guess, some of
0: my um, personal work. Um, I think Andrew tagged it at the beginning. You can check that out. P-C-O-I-S-H uh, H. dot myportfolio.com.
2: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, uh, or if you'd like to check out uh, some of my more recent up-to-date work, I am posting on my Instagram. Uh, I do a lot of Pokemon stuff
0: over there. So if you like that, good spot for that. And uh, what's your Instagram called?
2: Uh, it is called Peeber underscore koi fish. Uh, So P-E-E-B-R underscore K-O-I-F-I-S-H.
0: And we'll definitely link to that and the website in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, Peter, thanks so much for joining us. Please, please, please come back. Oh, we need yeah. You. Well, there's oh so gosh. many more films that I'd love to talk about. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we need you back, man. You are awesome. <laughs> you did my job for me. All right. <laughs> there we go, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, oh, yeah. So yeah many, wow. I mean,
1: I learned so much. You're really um, you're really in tune with your industry, I can tell. Oh, and, and you love it. So I'm like, oh, uh-huh. I mean, it's exciting to hear from you. I really liked everything you had to share with us.
0: Listeners, if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes, feel free to shoot us an email at independentcreatorstudios at gmail.com. If you like this episode, please write a review and subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud or YouTube. We'd love to hear your feedback. Behind the Flicks was created by myself and Ariana. I edited this episode. My name is Aaron Gentile. This has been an Independent Career Studios production.